0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Welcome into another episode of The Blackout. I am your host, Thomas Black. Here for another look at the week past in college football and the week to come in week 10 as we dig our way deeper into the college football season. This episode, as always, is coming to you from bellyupsports.com. And on this week's episode, we'll look at another game that impacted the college football race this weekend as we saw another top 10 team fall to an unranked opponent this time for the third consecutive week. Then I'll have an interview with Nick Della the beat reporter for GatorCountry.com, as he preps for a game in Jacksonville between Georgia and Florida, a top 10 matchup in the SEC. And this is a big one, as we will see one fringe contender for the college football playoff definitely eliminated in this matchup. And if you hang on till the end of the show, after the interview, I'll have more details for you on how you can have another opportunity to win free merchandise from BellyUpSports.com just by picking one college football game winner and the exact score from this weekend. Now let's go back and look at the biggest impact we saw on the college football playoff from Week 9. That's when we saw Oklahoma fall on the road at Kansas State. It was such a wild game with the Wildcats coming away, 48-41 on top of the Sooners. I don't know where you stand on the controversy at the end, but man, what a wild sequence of events with Oklahoma kicking the onside kick, seemingly recovering it, and then having a long debate with the referees talking about what went on on the play, and then recognizing that with instant replay, the ball was touched before it went 10 yards by an Oklahoma player. That, of course, negated the recovery and stopped Oklahoma from having one last possession with a chance to tie the game and send it to overtime, or possibly win it with a two-point conversion after a touchdown. I know the call was difficult to make, but man, after seeing the replay a bunch of times, I cannot help but feel sorry for Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma. To me, it looked like the Oklahoma player was blocked into the ball. You see, I didn't see him reaching out to try and touch it or recover it. I think he simply fell into the ball after being pushed. Regardless, though, a lot of credit has to go to Kansas State in this game. You see, Oklahoma was having tremendous success offensively. Their offense ran up about 500 yards on 9.4 yards per play. Think about that. Nearly a first down on every play throughout the game, average-wise. How in the world did Kansas State win this game? It was with ball control. You see, they nearly doubled up Oklahoma in time of possession, 38 minutes to nearly 22 minutes for Oklahoma. The Wildcats ran the ball for 213 yards, and they protected the football in what might have been the biggest difference in the game. No turnovers for Kansas State, two turnovers for the Sooners. All in all though, it culminated in another top 10 team falling for the third straight week. First it was Georgia, then two weekends ago it was Wisconsin, and now the Sooners cap it off for three straight weeks with a top 10 team falling to an unranked opponent. Man, isn't college football just the best? Could it happen for a fourth consecutive week? Who knows? The best opportunities are in the Pac-12, where you see Oregon on the road, at Southern Cal, and Utah, on the road, at Washington. Other than those two matchups, it's quite unlikely. And that's partly because we've got two top 10 teams meeting each other between Georgia and Florida. And let's find out some more about that game right now. Because coming back once again to the blackout is Nick Delatory, beat reporter for GatorCountry.com. Nick, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
0: Good. Glad to be here and uh, getting ready for the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party.
1: Heck yeah, man. It's going to be the biggest game on Saturday, a top 10 matchup between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators. So as we head into this one, Nick, I'm looking at it. I can't think that there's any bigger news for the Florida Gators than on the injury front, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A couple of defensive ends, Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zaniga, ready for this one. How big is that news and what does it mean for the matchup with the Bulldogs? Uh, huge news for
0: Florida. Obviously, uh, when you look at those guys, you think pass rush and, um, you know, for good reason. But then you look at Georgia and you're thinking, okay, well, everything kind of runs through Deandre Swift. He's an exceptional running back and okay. Well, was getting two pass rushers help. Um, it, it's not, they're not just pass rushers. These are veteran players. Both of them, Gennar a graduate transfer uh, and Zuniga a senior. They set the edge. They can help compress the pocket um, and, and they're just reliable. Not only getting them back in their production. Does that help? But it also, you've had time to build the depth with Chris Bogle, Mahmoud Diabade uh, and Jeremiah Moon but now they don't have to play the 45, 50 snaps that they've had to play with these two guys out. So one, you're getting two fantastic players back, which, you know, you're never going to turn that down, but two, you've also, uh, you're limiting the role of those younger guys who have kind of had to have been extended. So I think twofold, it's great for Florida. You're getting great players back. You've had these other players filling in um, and and now you're able to kind of just just, um, You know, role. I I don't think Florida's really been, and it's football, so no one's gonna be completely healthy. But I don't think Florida's been, you know, at full strength playing with a, you know, playing poker with a full hand um, since week two. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the defense looks like um, when when they've got, you know, all their players at their disposal.
1: You mentioned that the guys on the edge are more than just pass rushers, but I want to know from your perspective as well, up the middle, what's your confidence in this Florida defensive line as they head into one of the toughest tests they'll face in this rushing attack. You mentioned DeAndre Swift and what he brings, Uh, but how difficult is it going to be going up against this rushing attack as a whole for Georgia?
0: Georgia's got the best rushing attack in the SEC, Um, averaging 236 yards a game. They've scored 18 touchdowns on the ground. Um, it's a little bit different style than Florida faced against, you know, Auburn or Kentucky or, or LSU. LSU doesn't wasn't run the ball too too much against Florida because they, their offense completely changed. But uh, that that'll be the, probably the big test because you know Jake Fromm is a, I think he's a good quarterback. He's not a guy that is um, c- crazy dynamic in the sense that you're going to ask him to go win the game. And I think that's what Florida will try to do defensively is tried to force Jake Fromm to win the game by stopping the running game. No one has been able to stop George's rushing attack. Really? Uh, You know, if you're going game by game, they've run for 300 yards against Vanderbilt, 268, 269, 238 at Tennessee, 235 last week. This is just a really, really good running game. It starts with an offensive line that averages over 330 pounds. Um, those are people movers. They they create a new offensive line. So that's really the big test for me. Um, how do guys in the middle, um, how do they handle that? And I think it's, they're taking on a, I think that, so Florida's not really talking trash in the sense, but I think they're hearing the way we're asking questions and like building a chip on our shoulders. We're asking them, Hey, this is a massive offensive line. You can kind of just see them like shaking their head. Yeah. Yeah, keep talking about how good Georgia is, and I'll show you. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from Florida players this week. So it's not like they're not talking trash, but they're almost like making our questions in the media, talking about how good Georgia is at doing X, Y, Z, and they're like, okay, yeah, keep asking about how good Georgia is, and we'll show you on Saturday. So that's kind of the sense. and it, It's happened a couple times during the season. That's not an every week thing. But uh, yeah, I've been getting some intense stares from Florida's defenders, you know, <laughs> just trying to Ask questions about Georgia this week.
1: Now, the injury bug, you know, was not only working out well for Florida coming into this one, but you've also got it working out well for Georgia. Uh, We're expecting to see Lawrence Cager back, the wide receiver out wide who is a big threat for Georgia, you know, developing over time. Uh, But he seems like he's going to be back for this one. What kind of matchup do you expect him to be for Florida? And who do you expect to be the main guy drawing him on a play in play out basis? Yeah,
0: and I wanted to get into something about that too. Is I don't know. I know Kirby Smart says he'll be back and he'll be playing. Dan Mullen has said, you know, Kadarius Toney's back um, and Jabari Zuniga. I, I feel very confident in saying Jonathan Grenard. I mean, we talked to him on Tuesday, and Florida does not make injured players available to talk to the media. So I feel very comfortable saying, hey, Jonathan Grenard is going to be 100%? No. Do I think he'll be back in his normal role? Yes. I think Jabari Zuniga, not into a normal role yet, will play, but not into, you know, the, hey, we need you to play 45, 50 plays. I don't think that's where he'll be. And Kadarius Tony, I know fans are excited to get him back, but I think it's still probably in the three to six touch range for him. So I wonder how much gamesmanship is going on from both coaching staffs just saying guys are going to be ready. So when you talk about Cager, I'm thinking, is that the same thing? I don't have the same kind of inside knowledge about Georgia as I do about Florida, sure. um, but I would expect, I would expect Trey Dean if, if he's inside or, or Marco Wilson, you know, if he's outside Florida's is really confident. Todd Grantham uh, is really confident in all three of his starting de- uh, defensive backs, cornerbacks. So I don't think that they really, you know, in the past, I think it was Joe Hayden was at Florida or maybe it was either Joe Hayden or Norris Jenkins when Georgia had Julio Jones, or Alabama had Julio Jones, and they played in the SEC Championship, and it was, hey, wherever he goes, you go. Uh, I don't think it's a situation
1: like that. You mentioned Kadarius Toney coming back in this one as well, the wide receiver for the Gators. You mentioned maybe only three to six touches in this game, uh, but what kind of dynamic does he add to this offense? I know it's a deep receiving core. I know there's a lot of guys that can touch the ball and make a big difference, but what does it mean to have him back on the field and what kind of difference does he make as opposed to what some of the other guys do on the field?
0: Accountability. Um, When when he's on the field, the defense has to Find him, recognize him, and, and and make sure they know that he's on the field because he could touch the ball. And I know fans see electric plays, but then there's also the plays where he gets an end around and runs 11 yards you know, behind the line of scrimmage to gain one, and you're thinking, if you would have just kept going where the play was designed to go, you pick up three. Um, so I think there's that's a lot of – he's exciting. But Dan Mullen continually says, and I say it as well, you don't know what's going to happen – when Kadarius Tony has the ball good or bad. And that's kind of what has kept him from becoming more uh, of more utilized in the offense up aside from having five, you know, five five legitimate threats ahead of him, you know, in in three seniors and a junior. Um, So I think really just having him on the field, you have to account for him. He's thrown the ball. He's taken handoffs. Um, they've run screens for him and he's developed into a, an actual wide receiver that he can run routes. So right there, you're looking at four different things, five different things that he can do when he's on the field. So it's not just like, Hey, Van Jefferson's on the field. We know we have to cover him because he's going to be a receiver and he's going to run a post or a screen, or he's going to run something. When Kadarius Tony's on the field, he can run five different things. So that's just another added element to Florida's offense that Georgia has to prepare for. I just don't see, I mean, a healthy Kadarius Tony was getting, six touches a game. So coming back from, from a separated shoulder, um, how healthy is he? He's not going to be getting any contact this week. And so, you know, the first time he gets hit against Georgia is the first contact he'll have since the UT Martin game. So how does he handle that? And I think uh, if you're Florida, you're thinking we need to win this game, but also, you know, we haven't had him for six weeks. How do we ease him in and make sure he's ready?
1: I imagine. I already know the direction you'll take this question. Uh, But as the line came out for this game, we've seen Florida sit at about almost a touchdown underdog in this game. I'm seeing about six and a half points right now. Are you surprised by where the line stands right now? And what kind of contest do you expect this weekend as we head into Saturday afternoon's game?
0: Yeah, this, I think the, I don't hate the line. I I probably have it under a touchdown. I would probably favor Georgia, Um, not to spoil it for later, but I'm not picking Georgia. (laughs)
1: um to win the game i didn't think Uh, so
0: i I, I picked florida to win the sec east in birmingham and that was my big you know i'm shocking the world pick i I think they were picked to finish third so like it wasn't i was clearly the only one (laughs) might be the only one in hoover (laughs) to actually pick florida because it wasn't even like they finished second um so i i think i think i feel comfortable with georgia being like a four and a half point favorite maybe i think it's where i first saw the line coming out um but I mean, they don't build palaces in the desert because they're wrong that Vegas knows what they're doing. Right. Um, the, the, I think the best answer I got from a player this week was Nick Buchanan. He's a redshirt senior. So he's been around for five. This is his fifth year. He's two and two against Georgia. He said, you know, this isn't the, the series hasn't been as close as some of the others. If you look at the games, the games really haven't been close. Uh, it hasn't been like a Hail Mary uh, against Tennessee or a goal line stand against LSU. There've been some blowouts and some big, you know, lopsided games in this series, but it's always the same kind of game. It's a really hard nosed, hard fought game, whether the, you know, whether the scoreboard changes one way or the other, it's a close game or it's a blowout. You're always getting the same kind of game at Florida, Georgia and Jacksonville. So I expect that again, it's going to be a hard nosed game. There's going to be something crazy happen. Um, you know, will Muschamp and a on Harris beat. Uh, beat Georgia and and so I've seen a lot of things crazy things happen in Jacksonville but I I think the one constant is it's 330 it's CBS it's at the bank uh, and it's going to be that hard-nosed kind of old school style um, Florida Georgia game and, and that's kind of what I expect.
1: You mentioned you're already alluding kind of toward your pick for the game. What do you think the final score is, and what are the one or two things this game boils down to as to why Florida might have an edge and be able to come up away with the upset?
0: I've got to check my numbers. I think it's in the last 13 years. Whoever wins the rushing battle wins the game. Uh, if you look at if you look on paper, that doesn't bode well for Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia runs the ball. Florida doesn't. So um, they're running Florida. But I, I like that Florida. Not to say that they're I mean, I think I've said on this show before that they were teetering on the edge of becoming one-dimensional. I don't think they are right now. Um, but Florida, I think to their credit, can't run the ball well. So they're not going to just sit there and bash their head against you know a cinder block wall saying, well, we have to run it. We have to run it. They don't run it well, so they run it just enough. Uh, and they use what what passing game they have. And Kyle Trask has been great as a passer. He doesn't have the same athletic ability and doesn't bring the same things to the running game that Felipe Franks does. Um, so I think Florida will pass the ball and, and they're going to have to pass the ball. Um, I, I think Florida, I'm going to pick Florida. And I think the biggest shock about me picking Florida is I, I'm going to pick it like 31 to 17 like wow. a two touchdown, like a two touchdown win for Florida. Um, I, I think Florida will find answers in the running game. And, and I think they will be able to force Jake from um, to throw the ball. To me, the biggest matchup, and I think the X factor this week is going to be Kyle Pitts. You can probably not out on a limb there saying Kyle Pitts is an X factor. Uh, I think what Isaac Nada was able to do to Florida, especially on that one drive where they just kept going to him right before half, Yeah. Um, I don't think Georgia has anyone that can cover uh, Kyle Pitts. And we've already seen that Kyle-to-Kyle connection with Trask and Pitts. So I think that's kind of where, uh, where it lies. And I think Florida will get out to an early lead, and then they'll be able to kind of run the ball once they have a lead and and control, uh, control the clock. They've, they've shown a very good ability in, in winning in different ways. Uh, and I think that's the way I've seen them do it, getting an early lead and not necessarily sitting on it. Like will Muschamp, you know, sitting on a lead until it's not a lead anymore. And now you're playing (laughs) catcher. Um, but I think, I think I trust this Florida coaching staff X's and O's and on the field more than I trust the Georgia one right now.
1: Man, if we're looking at the Florida Gators coming away with a two-touchdown win, it is going to be something massive going on in Gainesville after this game with the celebration going on when the team heads back into town. But, Nick, I'm with you. I think Florida comes away with a win in this one with the upset. And you look at the final games in the schedule, Vanderbilt at Missouri, Florida State, there doesn't seem to be a big test in any one of those I know some challenges could arise, uh, but Florida's Mm -hmm. going to be a considerable favorite in each of those games. With a win on Saturday, if that happens, what are the odds that this Florida team can make it to the college football playoff looking ahead to the SEC championship?
0: Well, uh, we'll, we'll, it'll probably depend on who you play, and that'll be Alabama or LSU. I can't wait for that matchup um, in a couple weeks. But um, I would love to see... Florida and LSU get a rematch on a neutral site. Um, Let's not, let's not start counting chickens. I don't know what is up (laughs) with the Florida, Missouri, the Florida, Missouri series, but they, they don't have an answer for Missouri. So uh, don't go out there and beat Georgia and then lose to Missouri. Sure. Um, So I I would love to see another Florida LSU matchup. That was a really fun game to me. I think it was a lot closer than the final score. I mean, I agree. it, it, It was a one, it was a one possession game on, third and something for the 16 uh, and Tyree Cleveland's held and it's an interception Then LSU goes down and scores. And, and, and then the score doesn't look, you know uh, the way that most of the game played out. So I think for me, I would love to see that matchup. I think they probably match up a little bit better against Alabama, which is crazy to say. Um, but Joe Burrow is playing like a Heisman. Um, so I would love to see him in person again. I'd love to see that Florida LSU matchup. Uh, i I i don't know if florida would get in let's say they i mean two loss sec team isn't going to get in and uh florida would have to win out to get into the playoffs so that's that's what they're looking at
1: it is going to be fun to watch and it all starts with the game against georgia like you're talking about this one will be an elimination game for the college football playoffs. so we're looking forward to it nick i appreciate the time as always and have a good time on the trip and uh, we'll see what happens as the Gators go into action against Georgia.
0: Always appreciate you having me on again.
1: Yes, sir. We'll see you again sometime soon. He is Nick Delatori. And of course, you can always find all of his work at GatorCountry.com or on Twitter at Nick GC. And now, as I close out the show today, let me remind you you can jump on the College Football Forum at BellyUpsports.com, find the game of the week this time memphis and smu enter that thread and place your pick for a winner and the final score if you're right you get a chance to walk away with a free t-shirt from bellyupsports.com if you're the only one to get it right you walk away with the t-shirt if multiple people get it right then all the names are thrown into a hat and one will be drawn to walk away with that free t-shirt design from the belly up sports shop thank you all for your support of the blackout and until next week i am your host thomas black (laughs) you <laughs>